You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. I mean, it's not a win for Jimmy Garoppolo. He took a $20 million pay cut and isn't a starting quarterback. So it's a win for the 49ers, but probably not Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, Jimmy's got the Subway commercials. <laughs> It'll be fine. It's uh, fine. Cofield and Company is out at Ellis Island today. They'll be out at Ellis Island on Wednesdays. So head out to Ellis Island, find Cofield and Company this afternoon. Uh, there will be some giveaways. Go just bother Cofield. He'll probably give you something if you yell at him enough. Uh, Cofield and Company at Ellis Island today. Um, all right. One thing I want to get into on the Raiders roster that we didn't get to earlier in the show. The Raiders are carrying five running backs plus a fullback. So effectively six backs. Um, we knew, you know, Jacob Johnson, the fullback was going to be on the roster, or at least expected it there. Also, everybody was pretty sure Josh Jacobs, Zamir White, Brandon Bolden, and Amir Abdullah were going to make it. But Britton Brown, their seventh round picket running UCLA back, kid. also made the roster. Is there anything to that? Like, do you think there might be a trade coming? Is there anything special behind Britton Brown making the roster? I mean, is roster? he really good at special teams? Maybe. I, More so than Amir Abdullah or, yeah. or Brandon Bolden or Zamir White would be, I guess. Here was the interesting part to me. The Raiders um, got rid of Kenyon Drake. And when they did that, they took on a dead cap hit of $3.6 million for Kenyon Drake to not this be season. on the team this year, right? So the Raiders are paying, just like Alex Leatherwood, they're paying Kenyon Drake to not be on the team. They're paying him both physical money and in salary cap space. Is Britton Brown better than Kenyon yeah. Drake? Because if they were going to, like, I understood, for, for so if you go through these running backs, right, Josh Jacobs ahead of Kenyon Drake. I can understand Zamir White. They used a mid-round pick on him. They obviously like him ahead of Kenyon Drake. And then you get to, okay, Brandon Bolden was in New England. He's been solid or whatever. They know what he is. He's ahead of Kenyon Drake. And then I can even understand Amir Abdullah. Hey, he outplayed Kenyon Drake in training camp and in the preseason. So we're going to keep Amir Abdullah and get rid of Kenyon Drake. Did Britton Brown also outplay Kenyon Drake in training camp? Because and they let Drake go way early before right. 53. So they right. knew something that they didn't want to deal with him or they didn't want him on the team for whatever reason. Um, I didn't, I can't believe Britton Brown was that much better than Kenyon right. Drake at what Kenyon Drake's skill set is. So, like, that was the fascinating part to me is that the rate, what the Raiders basically said is that there were, they had five running backs on their roster better than Kenyon Drake and that they were willing to eat 3.6 million in cap space because of that, which is interesting because like the Alex Otherwood conversation, even if Britton Brown is slightly better than Kenyon Drake, you probably keep Kenyon Drake because he's, he's, you're paying him anyways, right. right? Whether he's on the team or not, you're probably keeping Kenyon Drake anyways. And that's why I don't, I don't have an answer to it, but I mean, are they just, for lack of a better term, pushing Gruden and Mayock into oblivion and just saying we just don't want the guys that they maybe they, I, I mean they took or they signed. I mean I think that's entirely but possible. But is that but is that judici judiciously uh intelligent uh financially wise? No, I mean, so it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, you don't like his guys, but you're going to take on all this dead cap money. It can't be that you're doing this simply because you don't like his right. guys. That so, doesn't make sense. It kind of looks like it. But yeah. if it, listen, if you sat down and if this was, I don't know, high school football where nobody, there's no salary cap, players aren't getting paid, whatever. Well. If you just sat down, 
<laughs> if you just sat down and it was a complete meritocracy, right? It was just who are the best players on the team? Right. Those are going to be the 53 we take. Who are the best running backs? Those are going to be the ones we take. I completely understand. Hey, the coaching staff liked Britton Brown better than Kenyon Drake. Hey, the coaching staff liked Thayer Munford better than Alex, than Alex Leatherwood. Leatherwood. Would have no problem. But that's not the reality of the NFL. The NFL has a salary cap. And the way contracts are structured, some of these guys carry dead cap hits, even if you get rid of them. And it's just hard for me to believe that they sat down and said, okay, even if they sat down and said Britton Brown is better than Kenyon Drake, it's hard for me to believe Britton Brown is $3.6 million better than Kenyon Drake. And Alex Leatherwood is $7.8 million worse than uh, Thayer Munford. Because ultimately, right now, if the Raiders had kept Kenyon Drake, moved on from Britton Brown, and if the Raiders had kept Alex Leatherwood and moved on from Thayer Munford, Munford, they would have, what is that, $11.5 million in extra cap space. Well, this year. right? Yeah, right now for this season. Right. And that is Indomitian Sue. That could be four or five players, right? Like, or not four or five. That could be two or three players that you signed to sort of four or five million dollar deals. Like, well, now wouldn't those guys be making their salaries? What what guys? Leatherwood and, and Kenyon Drake. Yeah, but they'd still like their salaries are what their dead cap hits are. Like Kenyon right. Drake, if he's on the roster, three point six million against the cap. Right. If he's not on the roster, three point six million right. against the cap. Same as Leatherwood, right. seven point eight or whatever it is. Yeah. So if they're on the roster, yes, they're still taking up that spot. But you still have the room left on the cap. Right. Now, they're counting that against the cap. Plus, and, they're not, and they're not even playing. They're not playing. Right. And you've got Thayer Munford and um, Britton Brown on the roster, right? Who, granted, they're not making, they're a, not lot making money, a lot of money. But it's whatever. Probably a combined $2 million. I don't right. know what it is exactly. But, right. So, but you basically lit that cap space on fire for two guys that you're getting rid of that they're going to cost you the same amount no matter what. So, it's just, it's fascinating to me that they basically decided those guys were so much worse than their seventh-round picks. Because, again, Munford and Britton Brown, seventh round, no. so much worse than their seventh-round picks they were willing to take on the dead cap hit. And then, here's this question for you. The Ravens are hosting Kenyon Drake, right? And it sounds like the Ravens want to sign Kenyon Drake. Right now, the Ravens, uh, their top two running backs would be J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is hurt. He was on the um, pup list or whatever. He's going to miss the first four weeks of the season. J.K. Dobbins, there hasn't been injury reports, so kind of question at the moment, but it sounds like J.K. there's a chance J.K. Dobbins is not 100% to go at the start of the season. So is do you believe there's a chance, at least in week one or week two of the season, Kenyon Drake has more rushing yards than anybody on the Raiders roster. No, I don't think he'd have more than Josh Jacobs. Just just he, two weeks, of, just no, one or two weeks into no, the season. I don't think he would. So the interesting part, and by the Kenyon way, Drake, if they sign him, what goes on the 3.6 million cap hit? It stays with the Raiders. No matter what happens from here on out, Raiders 3.6 million this year because he's only signed through this year. Yeah. And well, there's one for next year too. Alex Leatherwood. But they both, both of those will have a cap hit next season as well. Because Leatherwood was a first-round pick, so he was still on his rookie deal that has so much of it guaranteed. Drake, here's what the real confusing part with Drake was. in Earlier in the offseason, the Raiders restructured Kenyon Drake's contract so that his salary salary cap hit this year was going to be like $9 million or something. But they restructured it so that it would be broken up into two years. 
right? So he's got a dead cap hit this year and next year. And he's not going to be on the team for either one of those years. So that's the, like, but he would have been a free agent after this season and they would have that dead cap hit next year regardless. But yeah. Kenyon because Drake, they restructured it. Yeah. He's got a dead cap hit this year and next year, no matter what happens. Same with Leatherwood. Drake. And same with Leatherwood. They can go sign with other teams. They can become pro, but whatever. They can be awful out of the league. They can be and they're getting pro paid. bowlers and there's a dead cap hit on the Raiders uh, salary cap for this season and next season for both of them. But and they're getting paid that money. Yes, yeah, and I, I want to say Drake probably already got his. I think he had it paid, most of it paid to him earlier in the offseason, but I don't know exactly the pay schedule for them. I don't know how it works for Leatherwood either. Cause it, like, the in rookie terms of deal, how he's paid. Because he got cut on a rookie deal after one year, which is like, that doesn't happen. Like, that, that happens if, like, you get thrown in jail or something like that. Right. That doesn't happen because, oh, you just weren't good. First year of his rookie deal, and he's off the out of the league as a first round pick. That one, I don't know exactly how that one works, but I'll be. I'm curious to see Kenyon Drake because the Ravens are the best rushing offense in the league, one of the top two or three rushing offenses in the league. Gus Edwards is out. If J.K. Dobbins isn't there, there's a chance Gus Edwards, uh, Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake's their number one running back in Week One. Which, granted, Lamar Jackson will probably have the majority of the rushing yards, but. I would find it a little bit funny if Kenyon Drake has like a 75 yard, 75 rushing yards, 32 receiving yards, two touchdown week one. And the Raiders are like, well, Josh Jacobs had 52 yards. I just think that would be funny. And we're looking around and say, well, what did Britton Brown do in week one? Be fun. Um, all right. One other thing on the Raiders. Uh, we might get into this more tomorrow if something actually happens. Darren Waller signed with Drew Rosenhaus. That is official this morning. Look at this, Drew Rosenhaus. Yeah, put out a little Welcome to the Rosenhaus Sports family. Darren Waller with a huge picture of Darren Waller. Wow. Is it funny that we've already heard more from Drew Rosenhaus than we did from Clutch Sports? Yes, from the entire Clutch Sports. (laughs) We have. Just that tweet alone. Yeah, Rosenhaus uh, sends out a tweet to welcome him. And he also gave a quote to Adam Schefter about, I hope this deal gets done quickly or whatever. Which Clutch Sports did, I mean... Did Clutch we Sports ever hear never anything? said anything. Yeah, they never I, said anything about the 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 negotiations. They never said anything about any type of hold in. They never said anything about it. And, and and again, I don't know if that was Darren Waller not wanting that to happen, and then he just got frustrated then because nothing was going on, <laughs> so he switched agents. Um, but yeah, we've already heard more from Drew Rosenhaus. So, do you think Darren Waller has a new contract with the Raiders at the end of this week? End of this week. What are we, Wednesday? Are you saying Sunday or Friday? How do you do your weeks? I'll do Sunday. End of, yeah. Before we're on the air Monday. Does, no. No. Okay. Does he have a new deal before I think the he first has game of the season against the Chargers? Before the first game. Because that's September 11th, correct? That's a week from this Sunday. Yeah. So basically he's got a week and a half is what we're right. looking at before the season starts. And you, you think he will have a I new think he deal will have one by then. In place. Okay. What the about you? part. Well, so... The part that I'm still confused about, Josina Anderson had that tweet yesterday about 16 Darren, million a year and and the deal was in discussion whatever that meant. Did that mean his former agency was talking about it or did that mean Darren Waller personally was talking to Ziggler about it? Like that that's nice that the deal was in discussion but now he has a new agency. So I don't know exactly what that means for hey, the previous agency Listen. 
if it was the previous and he's discussing 16 million, I don't know why he changed agents. <laughs> so you get 16 million here. It's a pretty good job for Darren Waller, who's going to be 30 years old and has had injury problems. Maybe as Jason Fitz told us. Maybe Waller wanted 16 a year, and the Raiders were offering 16 total over four <laughs> <Yes>. years. <laughs> but we'll guarantee this year. That's it's right. just an extension. All right. Coming up next, Sam and Ash join the show. Um, Call 702-820-1234 or go online samandash.com because you deserve what's right. Running for my life, I will always want you. Samandashlaw.com. Ash, is it just you today? Hey, Ash. I think so. Okay. (laughs) We'll, okay. we'll see if Sam shows up halfway through. That'll be fun if he just pops on there. Can Sam show up so he and I can discuss twenty four twenty one modern day over Bishop Gorman? Do you know what? I'm oddly okay with the fact that modern day won. Really? Yeah, it's funny because I don't think Sam understood the the struggles of modern losing to modern day. I mean, granted, I never did personally. You know, I. <laughs> My record against modern day is undefeated, but you know, my friends who played football at Servite, they struggled. And so I, I experienced that. And I don't think Sam ever understood it until now he's got a kid at Gorman. It can be tough. It can be tough when you can't beat somebody. I'll tell you what. (laughs) All right. We've got uh, a lot of stories to get to today. Uh, The big one in the NFL has been about bills punter, Matt Ariza, who was released by the bills. He was accused of raping a 17-year-old at a or when he was at San Diego State. Uh, the accusation includes two of his former teammates at San Diego State as well. Um, and here's there's a lot of parts to this, but one of the things that I've been sort of most confused about is the story in the LA Times that was about Matt Ariza being accused. One of the details was that initially San Diego State as a university was investigating this, and then it went to the San Diego Police Department, and they were investigating it, and they told San Diego State to not continue investigating, to delay their investigation until, I I don't know, the police department finished or the police department got some more info. I didn't know exactly why. But why would a police department tell a university to, hey, stop looking into this, we got it? Yeah, I mean, I think at at a lot of crime scenes, there's different entities there. You know, sometimes you have federal agents and you've got the local agents. And here it's the university police versus the the local city or county police that are investigating. And and just instinctively, the county and city, they have greater resources. They have the ability to do this at a much higher level than a university. So it just makes sense. Like, stand down. Let us do this. Don't dust up anything. Don't talk to anyone because you know you'll get conflicting statements you'll get people talking to one another if the university's got a statement and then the police go out and get the statement from that person then they have to make sure that they they corroborate them so it's kind of just one of those things just let one entity do it so they're not stepping over each other i have a a question civilly uh in this um let's say whether it goes to trial or or not and, and they're exonerated Uh, Because a lot of people are saying he's a pro football player now. Uh, One of the reasons his side is saying, not her side, his side is saying, oh, it's a shakedown. He supposedly has money. But let's say he's exonerated. They're exonerated. Is that something to where he can then turn around and file his own suit and say, because he got cut the other day, and I don't know if anyone's going to take him on, he can say future earnings or what they would have been? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we saw it with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, you know, right. we just the the country went through that. And, and so if he is exonerated from this, she he could technically sue her. But the problem is he's looking at what six figures at least at a minimum seven that he's lost out on if no mm-hmm. other team picks him up and the ability for him to recover that amount of money from this girl is unlikely mm-hmm. and so it's kind of one of those situations where unless the victim has financial resources where you can go after them it doesn't make sense whereas i mean and we look at that johnny depp pursued amber heard because she has financial resources she's an actress she's made box office hits and has fun has the money allegedly, to pay him for his judgment. Something else I was curious about with the police department. So this this happened last October, so about 10 months ago. And according to the story, the 17-year-old, uh, she went to the police department the next day. They did a rape kit to collect DNA evidence. There was even a detail about the police, like, having her call the men that she accused to try to get either a confession or just more information slash evidence. And the police were there while she made those calls. This was 10 months ago. Is that a long time for like nothing else to happen criminally or Matt Ariza to not be charged? Like what exactly would be causing kind of nothing to be happening from the police department's investigation from October until now? Yeah, so it it does seem suspicious that they they did the rape kit, then they interview people or get the people on the phone to ask them these questions, and nothing happens. There's there's no what happens is these police officers they write up their report, they do their investigation, and then they hand that file over to the prosecution, the district attorney's office or the city attorney office, and let them decide whether or not they're going to prosecute these suspects for their crimes and bring charges and. And so clearly it either got stuck in the investigation phase or the prosecutor declined to pursue charges because they didn't have enough evidence. So it's interesting, and that's likely why the girl got frustrated with the criminal system and she went to the civil courts because there's a lower standard. The burden of proof for a a civil plaintiff is lower than the prosecution in a criminal case. Matt Arise's story is that he did have sex with her outside of the room where she alleges she got raped by multiple men and he claims that it was consensual and he claims that she told everybody that she was 18 and he did not know that she was 17 so given that that could be his side of the story what type of evidence would be needed to prove that it was rape and that Matt Ariza, that it wasn't consensual, I guess, when you effectively have he said, she said about exactly how this happened. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, that's what makes these cases so hard. And so the officers are looking for physical evidence of non-consent, bruising, scratches, etc. And the difficult thing is it's often he said, she said, especially in this situation where arguably he was told she's 18 and she looks 18, I would have presumed. She doesn't look like a a 12 year old. So that's going to be very difficult. And I'm really curious to see how it plays out. And I, you know, if, if he is these charges get dropped and there's no settlement or anything like that to make it go away, I feel bad for him because it's another example of the system being used almost as a, a baseball bat of extortion. And so I, I really, I'm cautious when I hear these accusations and I read these stories and I hope that there really are, I don't hope, but I don't want them to be just 
ways to get paid, if that makes sense. So uh, another story here. This is we're going to the world of soccer with Paul Pogba, who plays for Juventus and the French national team. Uh, he is saying that a gang is trying to blackmail him, and the gang is made up of childhood friends and his older brother. Uh, there have been some Twitter posts about this from his older brother, uh, but one of the weird details is that Paul Pogba's apparently, or part of the claim here is that they're going to blackmail him by telling everybody that Paul Pogba hired a witch doctor to put a curse <laughs> on another soccer player. And I guess that could be embarrassing. I guess that could be used as blackmail. But from the criminal standpoint, is it illegal to have a witch curse somebody? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I've never heard of such a thing. I mean, unless the person hears about this witch doctor that put the curse on and then like, you know, they're going to fall off a cliff and then suddenly they fall off a cliff. Maybe. I don't know. Like, but I no, I think this is, this is insanity guys. Uh, one of the, uh, actual, I assume criminal parts of this is Paul Pogba claims that some of the members of this gang, and again, childhood friends and his brother, uh, they sort of dragged him kidnapped him to an extent into an apartment and demanded 13 million euros or else they were going to blackmail him. Uh, Pogba said that he paid them 100,000 euros and that that wasn't enough for them to be satisfied here. Um, I imagine that in itself, if that's proven, that those guys are going to jail for a long time. Yeah, I would imagine so as well. And this is always something you, it, I think it's very difficult for athletes if they're not from significant wealth or stable families that when one member of the family does reach extensive amounts of wealth, managing that dynamic, it's very difficult and very sad. And so I, I, this is just, you know, a really sad story altogether. But yes, if it's proven that he was blackmailed and held to gunpoint and basically kidnapped and these threats were made, whether it involves a witch doctor or not, these in individuals are going to go to jail. Uh, topic three, police are investigating a video appeared to have uh, two A's fans engaging in a sexual act during a game says the Oakland Police Department were not alerted the incident until after the game were advised by the A's that the uh, cameras did not capture videos of it during the game. Limited investigation. Is this, if they find these people, and uh, I don't know how they're going to, pretty grainy picture, um, how, I guess how would they go about identifying it? How long did you stare at it? Is this, I, it, it was, no, it was, it, was, it was on Twitter. It was on Twitter. I think Tyler tweeted it out. Um, this, is this just simple and decent exposure? What is this when stuff like this happens? Yeah, it's going to be trespassing, indecent exposure, lewd acts, et cetera. It, and likely they'll figure out who the people are through all the surveillance video throughout the ballpark, you know, going through that specific tunnel into that section, and, and they'll track them down. And, um, yeah, it, I it, this is weird. I think there was another story just yesterday about in the at Toronto, I think, a Blue Jays game. So I don't know what's going on in ballparks <laughs> these days, but I guess baseball is well, getting in, more interesting one way or another. I mean, the A's are so bad, you know. And the, <laughs> it improves attendance. I mean, yeah, well, the Blue Jays are actually a better team. Uh, so, one okay, the, I think it was the very next day after this video um, was seen by the world, uh, there was like five or six guys that went to an A's game, 
and they went up to this uh, section. Now, yes, it's, it's like, this. again, it's like the highest section in the entire ballpark, right? Terrible yeah. seats. And like five or six guys went up there and they had signs that said things like, this seat sucks. Um, yeah. and, A's blow. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, security came and took their signs and made them move. Yeah. I know that's not like the, the law side of things, but can security basically just make you move out of a seat? I'm if I don't know if they paid for those specific seats, but let's just say they did. Can they make you move out of those seats if they want to? Absolutely. When you have a ticket, you're not guaranteed to your seat or anything like that. So if for some, it's just a license to be there and at any point the stadium and the team can revoke it. So yeah, I that's one of the reasons, you know, you if you want to go and have fun, have fun, but be prepared to be kicked out if you have too much fun. They just had signs. They didn't do anything else. Well, come on. They're funny signs. <laughs> they were fu- I mean, they're funny, but they're lewd. And, and <laughs> before every game, it's like, you know, this is a family-friendly environment, et cetera. And so there's a bunch of little kids going, Mommy, what's that say? What's that mean? Why are they up there? Can you imagine going up to the box office? We need section 7,000 <laughs> seats, two, three, four, and five. Please, and the lady goes, Boy, that's pretty specific for the upper deck. <laughs> we haven't sold those all season except that yeah, one. And the couple. security guard's like, I've got to go all the way right. up there. I know exactly. Oh. He's got to walk all the way up. I'm surprised they just didn't say, Ah, let them be there. We're not walking that far. They'll be fine. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's SamAndAshLaw.com. Uh, no Sam today, just Ash, and you guys can, uh, I don't know, revel in modern day beating Bishop Gorman another time. Ash, as always, we appreciate Thanks, Ash. it. Thanks, oh, Ash. Thank you, guys. Always fun. You too. So, uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, there's nobody at A's games. There's no kids to worry about seeing any of that. There's barely a crowd. Right. There's like six kids in the entire game, and they can't see that far. They're not sitting that high up. So there's nothing to worry about. Let them do what they want in that section. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I'm afraid we need to use math. I knew I should have checked your showboating globetrotter algebra. Bischoff's Briefs. Man, I thought you knew that algebra was all razzmatazz. Bischoff's Briefs. Yes, I see. Something involving that many big words could easily destabilize time itself. All right, I'm trying to figure this out in the break. Um, But the Chicago Bears have claimed Alex Leatherwood off of waivers, which is kind of stunning because according to Greg Allman of The Athletic, he tweeted this yesterday. If a team claimed Leatherwood off waivers, they're committed to paying him $5.9 million. Oh, his salary? Right. So what happens to the cap hit? That's that what the I'm, well, I, I think the cap hit stays the same no matter what for the Raiders. But the Raiders might have to pay him less physical money. But the Bears just committed to paying Alex Leatherwood $6 million. Nobody in the league would trade for the guy two days ago, and the Raiders cut him after one season. Couldn't you have waited till he cleared? Right. I mean, I guess... I mean, someone else could have got him if you wanted Technically, him. somebody else could have gotten him, and if he cleared, Leatherwood would have to agree to come to you, right? Right. Presu- okay, Here was the presumption. Alex Leatherwood was going to clear waivers, and then he would be a free agent, and somebody else was going to sign Leatherwood, right? If he cleared, yes. Right. He was a first-round pick. Even though the Raiders reached on him, he was still projected to be like a second-round pick, right? Just 
a year and a half ago or whatever. So somebody was going to sign him and give him another shot, but presumably he was going to clear waivers and then he would sign as a free agent for $800,000, right? A million bucks or something yeah, like that. Because the Raiders were paying him. Right. But the Bears claiming him apparently means the Bears are now, they have to pay him $6 million because he's got... They were that afraid someone else was going to get him? I can't imagine being that afraid somebody else is going to get him because if you're the Bears, if you're, you you would have traded for him, right? Like you would have, if you were afraid somebody else is going to get him, you would have been afraid somebody else was going to sign him and sent a seventh round pick for him or yeah. something, which... The Raiders would have happily taken a seventh round pick. I think that probably would have increased how much the Bears paid him, anyways. But man, what are the Bears doing? They they claimed five guys off waivers this morning. Like they just looked around and said, "Wow, everybody's cutting these players. Well, we we want everybody we else. We stink. Garbage. We need players. <laughs> oh, you're throwing that guy away. We'll take him. We'll claim him off waivers. So I'm honestly I'm I'm a little stunned that the Bears or anybody claimed Alex Leatherwood. Off waivers, because conceivably they could have let him go and signed him as a free agent for now, way cheaper. Vinny Bonsignore over in Raider Nation Radio and Review Journal just tweeted uh, from the Review Journal, Bears just did a huge favor as they are now on the hook for Leth- Alex Leatherwood's contract. So I, I think I think the cap hit stays the same, but who in terms of dead money, who in terms physically of who physically pays gives him his salary now. I think it becomes the Bears. Is what I'm guessing here. Because I think your dead cap hit is irrelevant from here on out. It's set in stone. But who's like, is it Mark Davis or is it the Bears signing the check to Leatherwood? I think it is now the Bears writing the checks to Alex Leatherwood. So, wow, what the Bears are bad, aren't they? This team's really bad. Well, they're not making great decisions. Yeah. I mean, you're telling me the Raiders. No one would trade for him. And yet you're afraid he's not going to clear. Yeah. Especially like Vinny just reported, if you're on the hook for his contract. Right. That is stunningly bad. Like that, that's stunningly bad that that would happen. Like if you're the Bears right now. Because again, the Raiders just picked Thayer Munford. Over him. Over Alex Leatherwood. They picked Thayer Munford and a $7.8 million dead cap hit over Alex Leatherwood. And now the Bears are like, yeah, we'll take him in his his contract. (laughs) What if he's good? What if he goes to Chicago and he's good? He becomes like an all-pro guard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll say this. If he goes to Chicago and they put him at guard and he's good at guard, I think that is going to be fair criticism for the Raiders. For McDaniels oh, I think, and Ziggler. No, I think if he goes anywhere right now, depend, giving a cut of first-round pick, even though yeah. all of us agreed he shouldn't have been a first-round pick, we right. agree with that, and he's really good somewhere, then that's a fair yeah. criticism I, of them, depending if, on you know how good he is. If he went somewhere and just was randomly good at right tackle, I think I'd be less critical of McDaniels and Ziggler because we saw him a lot at right tackle and he wasn't any good right. right last year and then this year into the preseason but he got moved to guard last year right and he wasn't good there either but did we ever see McDaniels and Ziegler I should just say McDaniels try him at right guard not extensively yeah i mean did, they, they did it some i think he played some practice, but not extensively but he yeah. never did in a game no. right he was always at right tackle in in the preseason games right i believe so so, so 
they didn't really look at him try. as a guard, yeah. as a guard that would play in the season. It's it's one thing to try it right tackle and say it's not going to work and cut him, but for them to then not try it right guard, if he then goes on, again, very unlikely, but if he goes on and this year is like Chicago's starting right guard and it's like, oh, he's going to the Pro Bowl or something right. like that, then we probably look back and say, yeah, McDaniel screwed up there. They should have just kept him and tried him at guard because clearly – he could have worked as something there, right? As a back, even if it's just a backup, that would have been better than what they're doing, which is cutting him and taking the dead cap hit. So, wow. I, again, I'm, I'm still just stunned. The bears claimed him because the chances of him being a starting level guard or tackle seems extremely low. Doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, tackle. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Like, extremely low. So, I mean, they don't, I don't think the McDaniels and Ziegler missed this bad on the tackle position. Right. I don't think so I don't so think either. they did that. Because I think they saw the film, they watched him play, and they know enough yeah. to where he's just not a good tackle. Yeah, and we we saw it last oh. year. Right. Like People who know far less than the people coaching him could see it and say he's not very good. Right. So I, I he's not going to be a good right tackle. Maybe he could be a good guard at some point. But even that, I, I don't think that's going to happen because he played guard last year and wasn't very good. Yeah. So. I'd be stunned if he's any good. <laughs> what if he starts for the Bears? At guard? <laughs> what if the Bears put this guy as a starter? They're bad. God, that team's going to be bad, aren't they? Yeah. They're going to suck. I think they're bad before they picked oh. them up. Before they claimed them off waivers. Man. The Raiders... Why didn't, if they if they thought that much of them, obviously, look, obviously in uh, there were reports yesterday that all 31 were given the opportunity to trade for him and no one bid on him. If they liked them that much that they picked him up the next day, because what would the value have been in a trade for him? I can almost guarantee the Raiders would have traded him for what they traded Trayvon Mullen for, a seventh-round pick that becomes a sixth if he if plays. If he plays a lot, yeah, yeah sure, absolutely. I, yeah, like, Of course the Raiders would have made that trade. So the Bears were... So the logic here from the Bears is that they were not worried that another team would trade for Leatherwood but they were worried that another team would, would claim, claim him off and have to pay that salary, which sounds like horrific logic, right? That sounds dumb, right? When it, like saying that out loud sounds like a yes. very bad logical conclusion by the Chicago especially Bears. given the assets they would have to give up in a trade, right? Because again, you're talking about trading away a the seventh, seventh round pick, right? And yeah, that the, the logic does not add up there if you're the Bears. Again, if he clears waivers and the Bears sign him, then for nothing, you you sign him for one year. $850,000, whatever, and it's hell, it's probably not even fully guaranteed. Right. You're fine. But now they are, they have to pay him, I think, at least $6 million and maybe more than that from what I'm reading here. I don't know the exact answers there, but that is stunningly bad from the Bears. The Raiders need to request a move to the NFC North. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, the Packers exist and all, but good God, <laughs> they need to get to the NFC North as fast as, like, they're the second best team if they're in that division, right? They're better oh, than the Vikings. Sure. I mean, they're clearly yeah. better than the Bears. Yeah, they're obviously better than the Bears. I don't think Dan Campbell's coaching up a playoff team this year. They're, like, if the Raiders were in the NFC North, they're a playoff team, and the Packers win the division, right? Probably, right? That is a playoff team in the NFC North. The Raiders, yeah, Absolutely. NFC North. That is an eleven-win team yes. who. They probably go like four and two in the division, maybe five and one. Maybe more they beat the reports Packers. are saying it offsets the money. 
but I don't know how much. It's not saying how much. Okay. It offsets the money owed to Leatherwood. I'm guessing Does whatever that mean si- all of it. I'm guessing whatever signing bonuses Leatherwood's already gotten from the Raiders. He's already gotten it from the Raiders. I'm guessing whatever his salary slash game checks from here on out is a hundred percent on the Bears. Whereas had they not claimed him, the Raiders would have been paying Alex Leatherwood whatever his salary was guaranteed from here on out. And I believe it was fully guaranteed. So that is, the Bears are dumb. That's the only conclusion I've got today is the Bears are really dumb because what are they doing here? Like they did all, they, they did all that to get a guy who is, I mean, the, we, we talk about what happens if Leatherwood's good. What happens if they cut Leatherwood in week six? <laughs> like that's, that's certainly possible, right? If he, if he continues to play as he has. Yeah. Like it's certainly possible that we're talking about weeks. He gets a couple starts at guard or something and is awful. And they're like, all right, moving on from this guy. All right. We got tickets to give away. Motley Crew, Def Leppard, Poison, Joan Jett, and the Blackhearts are coming to Allegiant Stadium September 9th, and we've got a pair of tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. That's 702-364-1100. If you want to go see Motley Crew, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett, and the Blackhearts, we've got two tickets. 702-364-1100. Be caller number 11 at 702-364-1100. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Ed's gone. He left me just with degenerate Danny. Um, so I'm sure somehow I'm going to get some ridiculous bet worked in here. Uh, for Wait, are you here tomorrow, Danny? Yes, I am. I'm okay. here for the whole show tomorrow. All right, we're doing on-air planning. Do you have ridiculous bets for degenerate Danny tomorrow? I could definitely come up with some by the end of today. Okay, don't, don't, forge, don't, don't waste your money away on just for a radio segment. But if you truly enjoy it, you mean not to bet under Asia Wilson's 20, <laughs> I believe it was 29 and a half points and rebounds combined for tonight, a mark that she hasn't hit in the playoffs once yet. Wow, look at you. Look at you. Good information. All right. I have a, I have a question for you as um, the only member of this show that watches golf. Yes. Uh, I guess Ed sometimes watches golf. I, I'm I wouldn't say you watch more than the rest of us combined. Yes. Okay. Um, are you excited for Tiger and Rory's little golf league that's going to start in 2024, where they're going to have the six teams of three? They're going to play on Monday nights. They're going to hit it into a simulator, and then when they're on the green, they're in like an arena with a green, and they putt in to finish the hole. I will say when I first heard about everything that they plan on doing. My first thought was, so they're making the live tour part of the PGA tour. (laughs) They're making an extension of the PGA. But I don't know, to to do the simulator, why not just like go to Top Golf, have like a group outing at Top Golf? So when they when they first so before they announced the details and they just sort of put out like uh pictures of what it might end up looking like. My first thought was, oh, it's top golf, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Like that's my thought, what I thought was top golf. I okay. I don't know. The simulator stuff, whatever. That probably won't be that cool. Just hitting into a screen. You're and just a going into a ball. golf shop and right. just playing a game. But the part of it that I'm interested in is two hours on a weeknight. Yeah. Because I think one of the big problems with golf as far as like from the consumer standpoint is you can't sit down for two to three hours on a weeknight and watch and like get the full event, right? The full event is four days, 
whatever, 6 or 7 a.m. until the sun goes down, right? Yeah. Like, that's right. if you're getting the full golf experience, that's what you're watching. Now, you can come in on Sunday and watch the leaders on, you know, the back nine, and hell, that still takes, what, four hours? Like, uh, uh, an entire round of 18 will take four hours, right. so back nine, roughly two. So, like, you can come in for that, but... You're not getting the full experience. This, and again, I doubt it's as popular as an actual golf, but this to me, I find it more interesting just from a, will I watch that standpoint? Probably. I mean, it's going to be, they're going to start in January. So like, am I going to watch it over Monday night football to end the regular season or whatever? I guess technically Monday night football is over by then, but no, it's going to happen during college basketball season in the NBA. So like, I'd probably pick a college basketball or an NBA game over that, but I got three TVs. I can probably find space for it on Monday nights. And then once you get into, you know, April, once the NCAA tournament's over, you get into eight. Well, actually, the NCAA tournament's not on Monday, so perfect chance there. Just like, championship yeah. is. So you get, right, January through, what is it, six months? Mm-hmm. You're going to get six months every Monday. Like, this to me is something that I probably won't, like, be into, into, but I'll probably watch it, and I'm- I'll probably be entertained by it i'll definitely tune in at least the first few times as long as it doesn't conflict with like something other something else that will draw my attention a lot something more. else you bet on yeah. well not even necessarily i bet on <laughs> golf but like in terms of like if there's a big hockey uh hockey game whether it's knights capitals or just a big matchup in general yeah. or like early on i don't know if they're gonna do it this year but Last year, the NFL had a playoff game on a Monday night. That's right. They did do that. So it all depends on what it's conflicting with for yeah. the first few months. Yeah. So I I don't know if this is going to be like that great or whatever, but I do think they are, in a sense, at least trying to solve sort of the, hey, as a consumer, how do I watch a full golf event without it taking multiple hours over the course of four days? This is one night, two hours.